You haven't read it in your hearing. John chapter 5, verses 30 all the way down to verse 47. Jesus is calling up the witnesses to the very reason why he is here and the very reason why uh, he could tell those that were gathered around him that the whole purpose of the book of John is that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the whole purpose of the whole book, amen? Amen. Jesus is the Son of God. And he gets to this point, and it's on the backdrop of what he did when he healed this man. And and now the, quote, religious people of the day, they're angry. They're upset because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Man, of all things to do, according to the law and the customs, to heal on the Sabbath? What is, who does this guy think he is? And anytime you and I go against the grain of what a majority of people think is the right way to do something, you face that, you face that wrath, you face that ignition. But here's the thing. They began to plot how to kill Jesus because of what he did and didn't realize that what he did. Listen, he was just telling them, listen, do you know who I am? I am the Son of God. And now in chapter 5, he's, he's, he's calling up witnesses to show the people that were conspiring against him and, and talking about him, listen to me. You've got all kind of evidence of, of, of who I am. The root problem is you just don't believe. You're denying it. You don't believe it. Everything, you know, it's one thing to have truth or facts presented and it's the solid truth. It's the facts are, are solid. They're, they're truthful. They're on point. And you can look at all that, and you can still say, I don't believe it. You know what we do every day? We disobey the law of the land. So how do you know that? I'm guilty of it, too. The stop sign says S-T-O-P. Stop. Not slow down. Look, make sure nothing's coming, and ease, keep rolling through it. That's not what it says. It doesn't say roll through. It says stop. Many of us are intersections in our town and where we live every day. And we, we, we say, well, you know, nobody's coming that way. Just, you know, ain't nobody. I don't come to a full stop most times. I come almost to a stop, but I know. But i tell you one thing. When the light changes red... Depending on where you are in this town, if you don't stop and you think you can still make it and creep through, you might not make it. I've been uptown here on the corner of Maine and South, and I don't know how many times I've seen cars, and more specifically trucks, even though the light has been red for five to six seconds, they still sometimes make their way through. And it says the light is solid red, and they made up in their mind, you know what, I got enough time. If you're the individual on that day that decides that when that light changes green, you're like in a drag race, red, yellow, and you just take off, you might not find yourself here today. What am I saying? The facts are that Jesus is the Son of God. And he's showing to these people that don't believe in who he is that how can you deny this truth? Number one, he brings up the witness of John the Baptist. Let me tell you something, Jesus. It's like a court case. I'm going to present to you the reason why you have no excuse for not believing in me. Number one, you know John the Baptist. You know of him. 
Right? Yes, sir. We heard of him. We remember him. He was a great prophet, not there preaching in the, in the wilderness. We believed him. We, we went out. We, we even sent some people out to check him out to make sure he was who he says he was. But the bottom line is, they didn't even believe John the Baptist. As great as he was a prophet, they didn't believe him. Because ultimately, they killed him for what he said and what he professed to be. And they said, Herod and all that conspiring going on said, you know what? We don't want to hear what you have to say because we don't like what you say. And because we don't like what you say, we're going to take your head off. And the sad thing was that when John the Baptist was ultimately had his head cut off, that were with him, supposedly, were there. He was all by himself. How many times have you had to take a stand? Maybe you need to take a stand. Maybe you, in your own house, in your own home, in your own family, on the job, you have to stand up and say, this is what you have to do sometimes. You have to weigh what God says in his word and what's the right thing to do versus what would be the convenient thing to do. I used to read when I was, my kids were young, I would tell them, listen, sometimes standing for the right thing will cost you. People don't like it when you stand for that which is right. There are people in your own, hand, in your own family. It could be your husband, it could be your wife, it could be your children, it could be your immediate relatives. That when you stand up and say, wait a minute, you know what? This just isn't right. Not because I say so, but because of what God wants us to be, what God wants us to do. This is against everything that is right. And they're going to tell you, who do you think you are? And, and, and here's the thing. We are good at deflecting. When, when the truth comes at us, we are good at deflecting that truth to somebody else. Michael Jackson saw man in the mirror. No, I can't worry about you. I need to look at myself. Well, wait a minute. Why? Well, you say the truth, but guess what? I know, here's what they do to us. I know you. Well, maybe you do. That doesn't negate from the truth. The truth is truth. I don't claim to be perfect. Far from it. But the truth still stands for itself. John the Baptist was preaching the truth. He was one out in the wilderness crying out, Behold, there's one coming greater than me. And that person was Jesus Christ. He kept telling them, there is somebody coming of whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. He, he, I told you last week, he was not the light. He was the lampstand through which the light shined through. That's us today. We're to be the light, the lampstand. Not a lampstand by itself does nothing. But when the light of the gospel, when the light of our salvation, he who is our salvation, when he shines through us, then that's when we become important. John was the lampstand through which Jesus, who is the light, shone through, and yet the people of that time didn't want to have anything to do with him. Jesus says, you didn't believe John? Guess what? You know, verse 35 says, he was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while. Yeah, you got excited for a little while in the light. But the testimony that I have greater that I have is greater than that of John. Yeah, you kind of went along with John, but in the end, you didn't believe him either. And what I'm going to tell you is, the testimony that I have is even greater than him. Point number two. But the testimony that I have, I have is greater than that of John. 
For the works that the Father have given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, or his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he sent. You know what? You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. But yet, and yet, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You had John the Baptist. And now you know the works that I have done. What did he do? Well, look at all the miracles Jesus did. John and the Gospels will tell you that there were so many things that Jesus did that they couldn't even begin to write everything he did. But what he did write or what was written about him is numerous enough that we should know that Jesus is the Son of God. He healed the man there at the pool of Bethesda, raised Lazarus from the dead. He restored sight to those who were blind. He healed those who were sick from leprosy and all the kind of diseases. He caused people who were blind to see. All these things Jesus actually did as a sign that he, only he could do it. Now, somebody can say the question, well, you know, there are other men of God who did miracles. That is true. But they did miracles not claiming to be the Son of God. People will look at you crazy if all of a sudden you start to talk about that you're the Son of God because you did something. No, they recognize that whatever miracle they did, they did it in the power of, of God. But only Jesus said, listen, the things that I do, I do of my Father. He never did anything without the Father's permission. All that he, his whole mission in life was to please God. Guess what? That's your mission. That's your mission. In this life is to please God 24-7, 365 days a year until we die. My question to us is, are we pleasing God? Do we act one way here on Sunday morning? Or one way we were at home, but when we're out and about and we're with our friends and our families and we're on our jobs, nobody would ever even know that we had any semblance of being a Christian. The words that come out of our mouth, the expressions that comes on our face, that the way we act towards other people has no indication that the love of God even dwells in us. And then we ask the question, nobody wants to come. Well, why would you want to come to a place when everybody acts just like everybody else on the outside? Doesn't make much sense. Because that's what the world looks at the church and says, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. You want me to come to a place where, all, really, you all don't even like each other? Are you serious? At least when we're in the world. I may not like the person, but if I have enough juice in me, enough sauce in me, oh, they become very friendly. I may not like you, but if I'm sitting at the bar stool and drinks are flowing, you know what I say? Hey, hey, man, yeah, yeah. Have one more with me, brother. Just go ahead and have one. You forget about who that person is. You're sitting in a room and you're sharing, doing it long enough, you forget who's in there. You're going you're gonna to take something that somebody else had just put in their mouth and you're going to share off of that too? You forget about that. What is it about? Us, why are we so stuck on remembering things that we should be long forgotten? Jesus says, you got signs and miracles. And you know what? 
What's the greatest miracle that Jesus ever did? I'll answer for you. Get up out of the grave. His resurrection power is the greatest miracle Jesus ever did. He literally got up. He was dead. They buried him in a borrowed tomb, and he got up on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. That's the greatest miracle he ever did. Now, you could try, people have tried to disprove all these other miracles. I don't believe, I don't believe in miracles, people say. That's just something, they need to take all that stuff out of the Bible. Who can believe that this guy was laying on a pallet and was waiting to be healed, and Jesus just asked him a simple question, do you want to walk again, arise, walk, and take up your bed and walk? Who, who, who in the right mind would believe that? I believe it. I really do. I don't know if you do, but I do. So why do you believe that? Because Jesus is God. God is Jesus. The Holy Spirit, they're all three in one. If God could create the universe, do you think it's too hard for God to call somebody that's been laying on a pallet waiting for the stirring of the water to get up out of the grave? I mean, you get up and walk out of that place? No. Do you want to walk? That's what Jesus asks us every day. Do you really want to walk? Or are you willing to limp? Do you want to walk? Well, you ain't no answer, so I guess you don't want to walk. Okay, well, good. Stay there. But he's asking us the question. He asked him the question, and I think sometimes he asks us, do you want to walk? Take up your bed. Whatever that is that's holding you down, take it up, pick it up, rise up, and walk forward in the power of resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you act like we do right now. Oh, 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 do I want to walk? Oh, I guess I do. Do I want to walk? Do you, do you think I want, do you want to walk? Let Jesus ask us point blank, do you want to walk? Are we not content to wallow in our problems and in our sins and in our indifference, in our shallowness? I think we're content. You know, I think we all are content because there was a day and a time the church had power. We really believe God could do it. And I don't know today if we believe. We're trying to fix things on our own. We're looking at the picture. We're looking at the mountains. We're looking at whatever it is that's what we believe is insurmountable. And we're saying to ourselves, I think, I, I, I know, I know God can, but I just really don't believe he is able or that he will. I, I got, I got, I've got, I've got loved ones. I got a son. I got a daughter. I got a husband. I got a wife that I'm looking and I, I, they, I know God can change them. I know in my, in, here I know, but here, I don't think he can. Yeah, I'm praying, Pastor, but I don't know if my prayers are going through. I don't see any result. We talked about that in Sunday school class today with Esau and Jacob, 20 years before the change really came. 20 years. Two brothers. One plotted to kill his brother. But 20, later, 20 years later, a change came. And the same brother that was wanted to kill now is willing to be submissive in humility, bowed down before the very brother. You know who does that? God, Jesus, a change in our life. We come to church every Sunday. Why? Ask you the question now. Why are you, why are you here? For what reason? What'd you come for? To hear the Sister Tammy play? 
Well, the pastor definitely wanted to hear you preach because, you know, uh, it's about everybody else. What you come for? See who's going to be here today? Catch up on the latest? What do we come for? I hope we came because, number one, we're going to serve and worship God because what he did for us from last Sunday to this present moment. A whole lot has happened this past week in your life, in my life, in the life I woke up and they said Prince was gone. No more, other than listening to the radio, no more Purple Rain. I thought of some people I knew that were real Prince fans. I said, oh man, this is going to be devastating for some people. That's all right. I mean, he's a great musician. I was thinking I saw him playing the guitar this, this morning, last night. He was spinning around and I said, man, if we had that for Jesus and he was in my church, I would say, Prince, go home and play, brother, as long as you're praying to the glory of God. Amen. Tim Hedrick, weatherman, Channel 12, just passed away. We went home last night, and she looked, I heard my wife go, oh, oh, my, or oh, God, or whatever she said. I'm like, what, what? Tim Hedrick is gone. I said, Tim, he was my man. If he said there was a storm coming, I believe there was a storm coming. I mean, all those other little guys on 5 and 9 are all right, but Tim was my man. Channel 12, when he was on there saying, by the way, you need to take shot. I said, Tim, whatever you say, brother, he's gone. Somebody else is going to have to take place. Now, other people have passed on a significance this week and non-significance. What, 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 what is it about our life? Our, everybody's life is of, is of value. Somebody's going, somebody has passed away and nobody even knows it, but they have value. Why, did we, why are we coming? The importance of what Jesus is trying to get across to the people that are there is, listen, you need to know I am the Son of God. I am God in the flesh. And on the backdrop of all this is the unbelief of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people who were always around watching what Jesus was doing, but they did not believe. And the same thing that happened back then with Jesus is the same thing that happens with us right here, right now, at Cornerstone and any other place where the people of God are. Many people are here for a lot of reasons. I do not assume that everybody that comes here is coming here to worship and to praise and to serve God. I don't believe that. I don't believe that everybody that comes, that everybody is, that we're all on our way to heaven. No, there are many people who are lost. And I don't mean lost not knowing where they're going. I mean lost in terms of salvation. Because many of us can say we have a form of godliness, but we ultimately are denying the power thereof. The indictment of Jesus on these people was this. Count the number of times throughout the book of God he talks about believing. Not believe with a mental assent, but believe to the heart core of who we are and who he is. A change of our will. That's what he's talking about when he believes, when he says believe, that your will has been changed to live for God. Not just a mirror. I believe in Jesus. Oh, wonderful. But is your will and my will been changed to conform to the image of what he says from his word? And it's really simple. And I know some of us don't like it, but I'm going to say it. It's really simple. The gospel is this simple. Jesus said, if you believe me, you have life. If you don't believe me, you don't have life. Believe me, heaven. Don't believe me, hell. It's just that simple. There's no middle ground. 
And I think many people in the world today are wanting that middle ground. There is no middle ground with the gospel. Jesus is not negotiating a middle ground with anybody. He says, I, I am the son of God. You either believe it or you don't. And if you believe it, you get life. If you don't, because I am life. And if you don't believe it, then you don't have life. And if you don't have life, you're doomed to hell, total separation from God. It would behoove us as we're living, we have the opportunity every single time we come in here. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. The Bible says, harden not your heart, for today is the day. You may not have, you know, I used to say, you know, we have tomorrow. I'm, I changed that. We don't even have the rest of this day. Somebody said, well, I will do it today. I'll do it next week. You don't know if you have 5 o'clock this afternoon or 1 o'clock this afternoon. Amen? And he said, John the Baptist, didn't want to believe him. You saw the signs and miracles I did, didn't want to believe him. And now he tells them, you have the very scriptures. I mean, what he has written about himself. For them, it was all the Old Testament. Okay? It's the Old Testament. That's what they had. But the Old Testament always talked about Jesus. It was pointing that he's coming. The prophets talked about the promised Messiah. The Abrahamic, the, the, a, a, uh, Adam, Abraham, David, all those covenants that God made was a pointing towards what God was going to covenant with us in this age and time. I promise God said, I'm sending a deliverer. There is somebody coming that's going to save you from your sins. You're a sinner. You're in sin. You're separated from me. I got to redeem, buy you back. Because my whole purpose of making man was that man and God would always be together. We would commune. Read Genesis. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. Every day, God and Adam, just walking through the perfected garden, just talking. I was sharing with the brother yesterday. Can you imagine Adam and God walking into the garden? They're just talking. God created the universe and just, Adam, what do you see? Bird. Bird. Tree. Tree. Zebra. Zebra. Ant. Ant. Fly. Fly. Worm. You ever think about that kind of stuff? You probably don't. I know. I'm out. Out to lunch. Like, he named everything? It was a zebra. Okay. We're just talking with God and Adam. And then one day, Adam hid. Adam, where are you? You know what we do wrong? We have to hide. When you were a kid and you did something wrong. You know, you went in your room and got real quiet and prayed that mom or dad didn't know where you were. Byron, where are you? I'll tell this story. My mom will remember this. We used to have a cookie jar. <laughs> and uh, every now and then I would go in the kitchen and I would try to be real sneaky. I would go to the jar and I would... <laughs> I'd try to raise it up. You know, when you raise a jar, it makes that little sound. I'd say, i got to raise it so it doesn't go... You know, she, she was in the other room, so I was trying to raise it and, and get it up and stick my hand in and, and, and not, you know, make any noise. And invariably, you know, moms, dads, you got eyes in the back of your head. 
So here, you're going to say I'm messed up, but I am. I already predisposed that most kids are bad. That's their disposition. They're just bad. They're sneaky. They like to do things. You could be in one room. I never take it for granted that they're doing the right thing because most times they're not. When they're quiet, that's a problem. When they're quiet and you don't know where they are, you need to get up off your stool of idleness and go and check them out because when you don't, they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. They go, I'm going to the bathroom. Okay, go ahead. You know what? It's been a while since they've been in there. You go in there and they're playing with the toothpaste or running the water or maybe you left your razor sitting on the thing. and you know, Oh, my God! But I tried to get those cookies out. Didn't make it. Byron, are you in the cookie jar? <sighs> That's on a natural level. What about with God? Jesus said, look, the scriptures talk about me. I like what he, what he, what he says here because he tells him, he says, he has a greater testimony, but he also lets him know. He says, you are searching the scriptures for them. You think you have eternal life. But it is they, it's the scriptures that bear witness about me. And even though you're in the word, even though you're telling me you read the word, the bottom line is you don't understand the word. It's one thing to have it here, but he doesn't want it just here. He wants the word here on the altar of your heart. If it's not changing us and making us better and getting us closer to him, then it means nothing. To know God is one thing, but to know the God of the word is a whole different story. And that's the problem with many of us. We know the word, but do we know the God of the word? He says, for you do not believe the one who sent him. He says, listen, they bear witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding, remaining in you. For you, what, do not believe that the one whom he sent, you search the scriptures because you think, you think that in them you have eternal life. But guess what? It is they that speak of me. You can talk all about what you say the word is saying, but understand this. That word that you and I are reading speaks about Jesus. And that Jesus is the life and the light of our life. Every single thing that we do ought to come out of who he is. Who is he? He's the son of God. Amen? You think on them, you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness of me. Yet, yet, you do all this. And here it is. You refuse to come to me that you may have life. You want life? You got to come to Jesus. If, if, I, if, I, if, if somebody that you work with or somebody that knows you would ask you, do you have life? What would you say? I mean, I don't mean breathing, living, watching, hearing. I ain't talking about that. I mean life. That no matter what is happening in our life, be it good, bad, whatever, we can honestly look to God and say, guess what, God, I know that you, I have life in you. I have problems. I have troubles. I'm going through the storm. I got this and that going on in my life. But one thing I know, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to see me through it. In the book 
of the Psalms talks about the tears that we cry that God has in his hands. Talks about our names or that, that sometimes is written on, on his hands because of our suffering and persecution. Whenever you feel that you're under it and whenever you feel that you can't make it, take it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm under it. Lord, I, I, I got people who, 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 who are around me that don't like me. My own relatives look at me and think I'm crazy. But I know one thing. You brought me this far. And you're going to be able to carry me all the way through. You didn't, he didn't bring you. If you're his child, he did not bring you this far just to drop you. He's going to carry you through. We know, he says, we are his what? Workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So there's some pruning. There's some things that are going on that we need to understand that if we do that, he's going to be able to enable us to make it through. Amen? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God's going to enable us to make it through? Has he brought you this far? Do you understand that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you want to live for him? Then you have the proof. This Jesus that we talk about, this Jesus that we sing about, this Jesus that we read about, this Jesus that we call on. And I don't mean just call. It's amazing to me. We, when all else fails in life, the one constant denominator we all have. I've done it. When I was driving for UPS on a cold, wintry day, and I'm going into a little skid, Tom, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, if I have an accident, they're going to write me up and fire my behind. Do you know who I'm calling on? Jesus. The wheel, I'm grabbing the wheel. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Then I just go, thank you, Jesus. I didn't hit that. Whatever. I ain't claiming it was my strength. I'm like, thank you, Lord, because I know the hassle. I've been there. Been there and done that. Being an accident, they say, you're fired. No job. What? It wasn't my fault. No, no, no. You're guilty until proven innocent. Not innocent until proven guilty. I've been there. I've been there when somebody in your family, you hear the bad news. Been there, done that. Some of you know about those stories. I mean, it's a hard thing. I mean, when they take you to that little room, beware. When they say, we need to talk to you over here. And you're looking, everybody's over there. Why am I over here? And then he tell you the bad news. Some of us have a lot of trouble. But you know what I really believe? Sometimes God puts us there because we can minister to other people who are going through the same thing. But here's the problem I think I know I have. I'll, I'll share this with you. We don't want to get involved because you hear, you hear me use the word messy. I'm walking down the street from my mom's house the other day, and I hear somebody crying. <laughs> Trying to figure out where I'm like, who is crying? And I walked the corner, heading down Marlene, and just as I got almost to the corner of Clark Street, I looked back, and at the apartment was this young girl. I don't know how old she was, 
couldn't tell. She was sitting in the front step. The door to the apartment was open. But she was just sitting there, and she was crying. question. Do I turn and go back and ask what's wrong, baby? Or do I keep walking and say, I'll pray for you and hopefully Jesus will make it all right? Say, so what did you do, Pastor? What did I do? I did what many of us all would do. I kept walking and went to my home and prayed for her. Fix my coat. Is that right? You say, well, Pastor, you don't know what happened. You could have went back up there and got involved in something, and who knows what would happen. I think of the story I hear Sister Tammy t- tells. I hear the story that I hear sometimes us. There are so many people that we come, to, come by and know that all they want from us and all God sometimes wants for us to do is to show that four-letter word that comes off our lips so easy but it's a hard thing to do. Love. They will know we are Christians by our love. Sometimes it's just a simple hug that makes all the difference in somebody's life. We walk by people all the time because we don't want to get involved. I always think to myself, we walk into Walmart and we see people who are different than us. They don't wear a suit and tie. They, they don't, they don't, we think they don't come from the same, quote, social economic background that we are. We look at their house and their house is horrible. It's like, who would want to live in a dump like that? Somebody living there. Do we walk by these people? Do we not show love? Because you know what I really think? That's us before God. We were the unlovable. We were the ones that the world, God could have looked down on. But he loved us enough. He cared for us enough that he plucked us out from the clutches of Satan, placed us on the road to holiness, and has promised us eternal life in his son. Who am I to look down on anybody? I can't do it. I can't. I go to Walmart and I know those Sometimes the little greeter people, you know, they, they just start talking to you. I talk to every one of them. I go to the store and they're saying, hey, man, how you doing? I talk to the waitresses and people, you know, I'm like, hey, great. are you having a good day? Yeah, man, good. The little guy comes to my house to do work on the house. I just don't say, well, I talk to him. Hey, how's your day going, man? Where are you from? You know, a little conversation. Make people feel that they have value and importance. Because you know what? They all do. And we all do. And Jesus loved us enough. He's trying to get them to see, you have all this before you, and you don't even believe who I am. Wow. And I read this, and somebody says, what's that got to do with us today? It has a whole lot to us. Because we got all kind of truth floating around. We can read our Bibles. We got, we've got our Kindles. We've got our laptops. We've got our smartphones. We've got every, all this stuff. We, got more, we have more information at our disposal than we ever. We can know more about God than we ever knew. And yet and still. Missed the core part of the gospel, that the world is hurting. People need to know the promises of God. Families are messed up. Husbands and wives are 
fighting a few kids or angry at the kids. People should, that family down in the, was it Pike County? Eight people, what, what, in what world does that, does that make any sense? I came home and I'm like, eight people were at their, for whatever, I don't, we don't know the reason, but it doesn't make any difference what the reason was. Shot point blank range. Gone! And every time I hear that, you know what I think? Where were their souls with God? I don't know. Prince died. Some say he was a believer. I pray he was. But we don't know. And that's all Jesus is trying to get him to see here. Look, you get all this true. I've called up the witnesses. And here's the thing. You still don't believe that I am the son of God. Because that's what he said. You have all this for you do not believe in the one you search and you still don't know. You refuse to come to me and have life. I want to have life. Not exist. I want to have life. There's a difference between existing and having life. Do you want to have life? Do you want to have life? I hope you do. But to have life, you have to have Jesus. Amen? And if you don't know him, this will be the best time in your life to say, you know what? I need to have Jesus be a part of my life. Father, we thank you for your word. The witnesses that talk about you. Your own father proclaimed who you were. Not that everybody heard him, but even he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Lord, Peter, James, and John was with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And again, you spoke and said, this is my son. And only they heard it, and yet they were able to hear it and go out and tell a dying world that you are the Son of God. Father, we come every Sunday to worship, to praise, to serve you. My prayer is simply that we don't do it out of form or habits, but we do it because we understand we serve our great God. Thank you, Father, that we have the witnesses that speak to us through the Word of God, that your Word can empower us to leave here today, and we can ask ourselves, am I going to be that witness that the world needs to know about the good news of the gospel, or am I going to be silent, complacent, indifferent? Am I going to walk by somebody today that needs a comforting word from you? Am I going to be willing to hug somebody who may not have had a bath in the last few days and I'm more concerned about the smell getting into my clothes than I am about the soul that just needs a touch from you? I'm not going to speak to somebody because I'm mad at them for what they did to me 5, 10, 12, last night, week, week ago, whatever. And yet, we do that expecting you to forgive us and cleanse us and fix us. I don't want anybody to bother me. I just want to come and do my thing. Nobody has that right. We have a God to serve. We are accountable to you, and we are accountable to one another. There's a right way and a wrong way to do things.
It's not left up to myself or anybody else to say, well, what is, what is the right way? The right way is to serve the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul. And then after we serve him, after we love him, after we do what he says, then he says, by the way, it's one thing about me, but it's also we're to love our neighbor as ourselves." But wait a minute. I love God. Okay. But how can you love me whom you have not seen? And yet not love your brother, your sister, who you see every day. Two don't go together. We read in our book. And sometimes we, bruff, we, we, we ruffle up against it. But it really is a true statement. It is an oxymoron. There is no such thing as an inactive member. You can't be inactive and be a member. Two words don't go together. You can't be icy and hot. You can't be cold or hot. Jesus said you have to be one or the other. Help us to get our minds fixed on you. Help us to get our faith locked in on you. Help us to know our Bible well enough, our doctrine well enough, our theology well enough that it all points to our great Savior who loved us enough to save us. Thank you, Father. Bless now the remainder of this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.